Hello and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And today we're talking about the best picture of last year. <laughs> CODA, which is an acronym. stands for Child of Deaf Adults. Mm. And that is indeed what this film is about. It's a remake uh, of a French-Belgian film from 2014 uh, entitled La Famille Bélier. Mm-hmm. It's about a young girl whose family are all deaf, apart from her. Mm. Um, So, two parents and an old brother, they're deaf, she can hear, Uh, the family's a fishing family, Um, the father and son work on a fishing boat, and she's always working with them, because she is the interpreter, she looks after them, but she can sing, it turns out she joins a school choir, Uh, the teacher, a wonderful man uh, from Mexico, named, uh, what is his name, (laughs) I can't roll my R's, so you'll have to, um... Bernardo Villalobos. Villalobos. Bernardo Villalobos. Yes, he insists that you roll the R's, and if you can't, then he's Mr. V. Um, he identifies that she's got some talent for this. Mm. Um, and her desire to pursue it, and possibly a scholarship at uh, Berkeley, mm. starts to cause a little bit of drama in the household, because she won't be with the family anymore if she goes. And not only will she go and leave them, it will be for one thing that they cannot appreciate, which is the beauty of her voice. Mm-hmm. So there's one best picture, and by all accounts, I say by all accounts, by a kind of general reading of the reception, I think it was kind of seen as a bit middle of the road, and not really the best picture. Well, it's a consequence, I think, of how... Best Picture is voted for. Which I is- mean, one could get very angry at this because really, if this is the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences <laughs> idea of, you know, what film art is, mm. it's shocking, right? I mean, you know, which is not to say that it's not entertaining and not enjoyable, mm-hmm. you know, if, and if it had been a movie of the week on television, I'd be quite happy to see it, mm. you know, but... Uh, I mean, in a year where you have like Jane Campion and Steven Spielberg kind of, you know, doing the films that they did, mm. which, you know, kind of really explore what is possible kind of expressing in audiovisual form. This is a completely middle of the road, yeah. unexciting, slightly manipulative, uh, not very deep uh, movie, which is nonetheless quite entertaining. Very entertaining. And I had a really good time watching it. Um mm. It, yeah, it's it's a it's a nice. <laughs> it's just going to be the word that comes up. It's nice. It's a nice, sweet, it's quite nice. moving family drama. Yeah, it hasn't met a cliche it didn't like. Every yes. single one of the book. <laughs> um, uh. That's that's just what it is, right? Um, so it's a, I think it, it, there's partly a consequence of how Best Picture is voted for, which is the preferential ballot, which is where you rank the films, mm. and then once so you rank you know one to ten, and all the number one votes are counted, and if nothing reaches 50%, then the second votes are counted, and, they, and it's, once something reaches 50%, I believe that's how the preferential mm. ballot works. Which is why something like The Power of the Dog, which is the Jane Campion film you mentioned, which was the hot favourite to win, but it was also quite a controversial film. It pissed off all of the cowboys. Mm. You know, I think going back to 2005, when Brokeback Mountain, I think was widely seen as the best film that year and didn't win, and something, I think, middle of the road won that year, Crash. It's a little bit like that, where even though it was an exceptional film, it insulted the masculinity of the American West 
And so Sam Elliott got annoyed, Kevin Costner got annoyed, and people were either going to vote it number one or number ten. And it doesn't gain much traction. Whereas something like Coda, which is easy to like, you go, ah, fuck it, three or four. Mm. And that's how a middle-of-the-road film gets to win. I think there's also something about, you know, screeners now are DVDs that people see on their televisions. Yes. You know, and I do think that films like The Power of the Dog, Nightmare Alley, West Side Story, they look worse on television. You don't feel their full effect. Was actually these low-scale movies that have kind of an audiovisual look anyway, they look better yeah, on, mm. on, on a small screen. Yeah, or at least they don't lose anything. Yeah. Going exactly. to a small screen. Well, let's just say I'm looking at the list of Academy Award nominees. I haven't seen King Richard, but I've seen all the others. And really, Coda is... The, if you put Belfast alongside Coda, and actually <laughs> I think you know Belfast is better, to be fair... So really, it is the worst of those films. I mean, uh, Dune, Don't Look Up, Nightmare Alley, Licorice Pizza, The Power of the Dog, West Side Story. I mean, Drive My Car, right? Mm. Uh, which you know, to me is a masterpiece, really. Uh, so all of those are incredible films. And then you have like, a, you know, a really like a, a, a TV movie of the week, <laughs> as yeah. we used to call them. Uh, so it's kind of shocking. That is so, what it is. Now, this is not anything against the film because, you know, it is kind of... Well, it, it, it is likable and I enjoyed it and I had a good time. But really, one could have a different take on it because, you know, like you said, it, 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 you know, it's full of cliches of all kinds. I think it's a little bit condescending. Right. To, to the deaf, to the audience? Yeah, like, so, you know, some people were praising it because they'll hear deaf people being sexual. But actually, you know, the, it's deaf people turned into a sex joke, really. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think the relationship with the parents is not real. It is kind of, you know, like a humorous effect. Oh, hot mama. You know, so it's all about that, which is in itself, I think, you know, turn it. So, you know, so the joke is, is, is now that before deaf people were asexual and just you know, the reason for existence is being deaf and being virtuous. Now, this hypersexualization mm. is to me in itself a problem. It's, it's made a joke of in that they, the parents are having sex all the time, which is, I think, if they were uh, hearing, I think that would also be a joke. But, but, then, it, but, then the but it would also be a bad joke. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Because, the, you know, the thing is, if you make a joke of it, it's funny yeah. and it works. But actually, that's... That's almost like a character trait. It reappears and reappears and reappears throughout the film. But then the additional yeah. joke, which is brought about by them being deaf, is that they can't hear, that they are being incredibly noisy, mm. and the daughter can hear it all the time. And when she has a boy over, he can hear it too, and that causes... Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a good joke. But, on the, but it does also very effectively communicate how deeply these two people love each other, which I do sure. appreciate. It's very no, nice to nice. see that. Yeah, that was, uh, so, actually, I love the whole family feel. Actually, I love the brother very much. Yes. You know, um, so kind of all of those things were were nice, but it also felt like sitcoming. Yeah. You know, and banal, really. Yeah. Both visually, kind of orally, like... I mean, you know, nothing against choirs, because I love choirs, <laughs> and I love choirs doing Bach, but there's something about high school choirs, 
you know, with the de-wop, de-wop, you know, that it kind of, it murders music in, in, a, in a rather similar way that this film murders cinema. <laughs> it banalizes everything. <laughs> At least they didn't do like a rap breakdown. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing that was very effective for me, something that I really liked, is um, in this central scene, where the daughter is performing in the school choir, that it's the mm. it's the, the show. Um, they sing a couple of songs, and she's part of the choir, and it's all very nice. And the parents and the uh, and the brother are in the audience, sort of not really guessing it because you know they're there and they know they can't hear, mm. and so they're just basically and get getting a bit bored. And then it comes to her duet with mm. the boy, um, which we've seen, you know, them working on together, and they've been getting perfection together and so on. And this is going to be the moment. And this is the thing that the teacher, Mr. V, has noticed her voice and he's mm. been working with her on it and so on. So this is going to be the moment. And the film drops the sound out when they start singing. So, like, you've been waiting for this song. You know, it's been, you, you know, it's coming. And then the film takes it from you and it puts you in the position of the parents. And I thought, oh, yeah, I did sort of see that coming. I did. But what I didn't appreciate would be good about it is that it's always about it's always about the dad in things like this it's never the mum it's always the dad mm. who appreciates things mm. and has to come round and the dad not hearing anything looks around and sees people's reactions and he sees them nodding their head and then he sees someone crying mm. and and that, that I like really that. works for me that I mean that moved me mm. you know that he he gets it he gets what his daughter what he gets what she wants and what she's doing mm. and how it can affect someone else and then it leads to the scene where he asks her to sing for him yes she can't under, you know well, of course you can understand why you would want that but it's it, but of course it doesn't make straightforward sense but he is asking to get it mm. you know so yes it's extremely cliche extremely middle of the road and you do see it coming but it also worked for me which is what this kind of film does. And I think that's what you mean, probably, when you say it's on the slightly manipulative side. It's, yeah, more than on the side. It's very manipulative, really. Well, you started off by saying slightly. I was only quoting. Oh, right. Okay, well, <laughs> I've changed my mind now. I'm getting angry. It's very manipulative. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, there were, and there were so many, uh, you know, awkwardnesses. I mean, um, I think the best thing about it is the performers. It was lovely to see Marley Matlin... You know, was, uh, all the other people are really quite wonderful. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought the teacher was overly mannered. I mean, I was a bit surprised when they said, oh, and here's his family, because I just assumed he was gay. Um, Did you see the shot where he said, I've got stuff to do as well, because she was late, and there's all toys and kids stuff in the background? That doesn't mean anything nowadays. <laughs> well, I suppose that's true. <laughs> 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 Might be in, a, in a little community like that, maybe. Well, you know, I just don't take it that way. No, fair enough. Um, so, you know... But anyway, but, you know, very enjoyable performers and so on. But I do think the direction, even of the actors, is, you know, not as good as it could be. Uh, some of the teenage performers are a bit awkward, I think, including the lead, mm. you know, and particularly the boy who is meant to be like her object of desire that she sings a duet with. Mm. I mean, so on the one hand, that gaucheness is the kind of gaucheness that you expect to see at that age. But it's also... Too much gaucheness. It also feels a, a stiff, yeah? Mm -hmm. uh, so, I, the effect is not one of natural, yeah? Uh, I think it feels like unskilled, really. Um, but the visual and oral dimension are kind of what I take most issue with. Yeah. You know, there's not a single visual thing that you think, oh, that's an interesting shot, or that's an interesting way of presenting that, or, oh, mm. you know. 
or yeah, it's just straight well, up one, front one point, when, the, when the daughter sat out with the dad just, just before he asks her to sing later on in the film, he says the stars look more beautiful out at sea than they do here, something to that effect. And you go, oh, I wish I could have seen them. Exactly. I mean, this is a movie, right? Like, uh, 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 uh. I mean, and we don't see the stars neither there nor on the sea. No. Right? Like, uh, yeah, but we're so, talking about them. So. And, and then, you know, this film is so much about music and singing. Mm-hmm. And you wish they would have done something orally with it. You know, the rehearsals, that the, you know, that there would be something more exciting about the presentation of the music. Yeah. You know, so they have very interesting music choices. Right, like you know, uh, Bowie and uh, Dylan and Motown and uh, 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 Johnny Mitchell, but you know, the, I think it seems there's no care that's been taken at all, except for the final number, which I thought the singing was lovely. Yeah, which is where she's doing uh, her audition for Berkeley. Yeah, and um, My, uh, yeah. Well, no, you're right. The music, the the singing is nice, of course. The the and it has the moment where the parents come in, they sit upstairs, and she starts. Uh, signing while mm. she's singing, which is lovely too. And again, the moment that it happened, I was moved. And then as it went on, I stopped being moved by it. It was going on a bit. And then yeah. there's another verse where the film just launches into this closing montage, which is the most ridiculous. I mean, I get how it's trying to be lovely and tie everything up, but the, the idea that everybody learns sign language in the community, I'm just wasn't having it really. Mm. But that's I- what we're showing in this in this summing up montage. Everyone and also, friends. I think it's a bit retrograde, the whole thing. So, you know, I've been following the Spanish singer called Rosalén, who's fabulous. Uh, and, you know, she does all her stage performing now with somebody signing, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and they're signing and they're moving and, you know, the signing is, becomes part of the dancing. Yeah, and, you know, yeah, it's fantastic, right? This could have used a bit of oomph <laughs> in, in that way. Yeah, and no, I saw a great video of a rap gig. I don't, maybe it was Run the Jewels, I can't remember. But they've got the sign. Basically, the deaf section is off to the side, sat in, stood in front of the signer, who is, yeah, dancing and essentially rapping along. But she's mm. doing it physically. It's fantastic to watch. Mm. You know, yeah, I, I just didn't have that liveliness. Anyway, a kind of really, the the filmic equivalent of painting by numbers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you hear what? Um. Was it, um uh, David Fincher said that filmmaking is like painting. Film directing is like painting. Mm-hmm. He said it's like painting when the canvas is 200 feet wide and 100 feet tall and it's four miles away and you've got 500 people holding the brush and you're going up, down, no, no, more blue. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think, uh, I don't think this director thought much about a canvas or, <laughs> or the question of more blue. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I mean that's it. It's like it's short podcast because it is that. But like, and it, well, actually, here's the other thing thing that we that we must say because I've been saying this for weeks. This is the first ever straight to video best picture winner. The whole thing is that you had to get into cinemas, and of course, it did get into cinemas to qualify. Mm. But a few cinemas. The film was bought, I think, two days after its premiere mm. by Apple to show on Apple Plus, and that is where it's being seen for a record sum. I understand. Is from it weekend? Yeah. So uh, the thing 25 is that, million dollars. 25 million dollars. Mm-hmm. So that is where it's being seen. Very few... I mean, okay, so <laughs> this is partly my fault. We were going to go and see it at the Electric. It did come to the Electric. I think it had maybe four screenings there. And I bought tickets um, and then fell asleep and just slept through. And um, that's the way it goes. And I lost 24 quid on the experience. But at least we've managed to see it the way the film is meant to be seen, which is on telly. Actually, I'm not sure that's true, to be fair to the filmmakers. Yes, I know. Yeah. 
The film, is, <laughs> yeah, the film, of course, was intended to go into cinemas yeah. and so on, which is not to say it's cinematic, but the thing is it has been bought by a streaming service and it's almost exclusively is that's how it's being that's seen, right. which is depressing for the supposed best picture yeah. of the year. I don't think it was too depressing with that. I pity people who only saw West Side Story or The, you know, the Power of the Dog uh, and Nightmare Alley. If mm. you've just seen Nightmare Alley on television... You know, I think you haven't seen Nightmare Alley, really. Mm. Um, you know, you might have seen bits of the plot, but you don't have the effects of the film. Uh, but I don't think we've lost much with this one. No, that's the thing. That's and the thing. We'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> we can never be sure. <laughs> that's the thing. So basically, all the all, all the talk over the past, I guess, decade or so, Netflix growing and growing and Netflix has always been looking for a best picture and it's been wanting this, you know, and, and like they've really gone after the Oscars. It was the culmination of that, a TV movie wins best movie. Right. Like that's, that's where we are. But actually there, there has been a lot of talk about that's what Netflix wants. And it was a big thing because Netflix, it's such a huge project with them to get that kind of credibility. Yeah, they're not after art. They really are after product. But there's been no talk about the fact that this is essentially what Netflix has always wanted. Because it's Apple. Well, that's it. But that's, I don't know why no one said that. I don't know why no one has said, oh, by the way, this isn't a cinema movie anymore. And it's and it's the best film of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I've said it the... now. I've said it, so quote me. Yes. <laughs> I thought it first, but Mike said it. So you can quote it. <laughs> what do you mean you thought it first? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up here. We're beating a dead horse. Uh, so thank you very much for listening. We're eavesdropping at the movies, and we are on. Apple Podcasts, <laughs> ironically. Audible, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Uh, on social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter, and the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. <laughs>
even in settings where professional interpreters would be required by the American uh, with Disabilities Act, such as court hearings and medical appointments, received widespread criticism as being misrepresentative. Yes, you can't just use your kid. Mm -hmm. Okay, well. All right, I'm ready.